Come on. Come on, Grace Life. Let's give it up for Jesus. Good morning. Good morning. It's always good to be in the great state of South Carolina. And uh, I, I give you greetings from Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, I am not a, uh, yep, I love my Birmingham city. I've been there about eight and a half years, but I'm originally from the uh, great state of eating stuff, which is Louisiana. And uh, so being a Cajun in Louisiana and an LSU fan, God's got a tremendous sense of humor moving me to Alabama. Um, the one thing we do have, whether you're Clemson or you're a Gamecock fan, is we do have one thing in common that we don't like the University of Alabama. Uh, you know, I'm just so tired of losing. Uh, but uh, I, love, I love my Cajun roots and, you know, growing up there. Louisiana is, you know, known for their food and stuff. And Cajun people are a lot of fun. You're just not going to learn much from them. But you're always going to have a good time uh, no matter what. But um, uh, it's a joy and an honor to be with you on, on this Sunday morning. And I love your pastor. Jimmy and I became friends a few years ago. And uh, I love his heart for you and just for the church and he and Ramona and their, just their whole family, just a tremendous blessing. And so I was, um, when he asked me to share, he said, now Lee, you come in here and you know, you and I, you know, we treat each other like family. And uh, so I'm going to be super candid today. I'm going to be open um, like you were uh, my family back in Birmingham uh, as well. And you don't really want to know what I think as much as what I've done. And so many people, you know, they want to share what they've learned, but have they actually lived it too? And I think there's a difference is when you've learned something and then when you've lived it. And so I'm going to be a little vulnerable and sharing some of my story. A lot of people um, know the successes maybe in my life, but do they know that what it took actually, your journey that you went through, what it took to get to that place? And uh, a lot of it wasn't pretty. A lot of it wasn't, you know, but I have a saying, if you don't quit, you win. If you don't quit, you win. And I think it's, it's now more important than ever as the body of Christ or as, as Christians that we stay focused on what really matters and not getting distracted with things that don't. And, uh, you know, I'm a, I've been married now for, it's been, it'll be 34 years, July 1st, uh, to the same woman. Come on. And, uh, so Laura and, I, Laura and I got engaged in 1980. It was 1988 right there. Come on, somebody. Look at that big hair. She's from Texas where they got big hair in Texas. And so um, that was in the 80s. Uh, thank God for the 80s. I wish I kind of miss all that hair, to be honest with you, because I was six foot five with that haircut. Um, uh, but she was in Miss Texas pageant. And so as a young entrepreneur, I was like, I better close this deal the day before the pageant because if she wins, there ain't no way she's going to stick with me. She's going to, like, marry some European royalty or something like that, and she ain't going to marry some Cajun. Uh, you know, so I ended up closing the deal. She, we get engaged, and she says, yeah, I'll marry you, but let's wait five years. It's going to be like a five-year engagement. And I was sitting there going, okay, well, there is a chance. So I got my foot in the door. And so five years uh, was the commitment. And uh, right about a year later, we got married, y'all. <laughs> Come on. Hey, I can close that deal. And so, <laughs> so the, then the comment was, so I came from a big family, you know, and, and so down in South Louisiana, and I had a bunch of brothers and sisters, there were six of us. 
and uh, I was right in the middle. Um, so sure enough, uh, what ends up happening, she says, I said, man, well, let's, we're going to have kids. And she goes, well, how many do you want? I was like, you know, what are you thinking? And uh, it's kind of dangerous. You know, you got to make sure you're in alignment. So she's like, well, I just think two, you know, boy and a girl. I was like, hmm, okay. Um, it's kind of like the five years. She said, but let's wait five years. She threw that in again. And I said, okay, three months later, we were pregnant. And uh, come on. And then five kids later, come on, somebody. Um, so we got, yeah, there's our whole crew there. And so, and so we got, we, you know, that's, we got four boys. So it was a four boys, and the last one's a little girl. And if you have girls, yeah, amazing. Amazing. Expensive. Amazing. <laughs> expensive. Uh, Hillsong may call that young and free music or whatever. That's young and expensive. And uh, so... So, but my wife, Laura, there on my right, and then I've got my four boys. I've got one of my sons right here. Harrison, why don't you stand up? I've got one of my boys here. Uh, just very proud of him. Uh, his wife, Sam. And then, so there's Ashton, Harrison, Winston, and Grayson. And they're my four daughter-in-loves. And then that six of the, let's see, yeah. It's six of the grandkids in that picture. And, uh, and then we have a latest edition that is going to be in next year's Christmas party. There it is. There's Charlotte. Look at that, little do-rag, blue eyes, and a bikini. And uh, so she is a little joy, bring her big time. She has, she has my heart, and she is just, those blue eyes, just, she's just something special. So she is on my phone. She is the wallpaper. Everybody gets offended in the family. They're like, Dad, why are you, you know that? I say, Shuggy Charlotte right here. She's my little Shuggy. And uh, so she's, she's amazing. But I love the stage of life being a grandparent. Absolutely no responsibility whatsoever. The answer is yes, you can have five of them. So when they, and I give them, look, you want a Coke? Yeah, you can have it at 10 o'clock at night. I don't care what your mom and daddy say. Because they're coming to pick you up at 10.05. Here you go. God bless you. And, and so they, they think that I'm the most amazing thing on the planet. And uh, which I love, no discipline. I have not had to discipline my grandkids. And so it was supposed to be called Pops. And so I was praying, interceding. I had intercessors praying for my grandkids to say the right name because it's whatever that first one says that is your name. That is dangerous if you are a control freak. And so I'm sitting there going, like, you can't, like, honey, let's like, maybe Colonel. How about that? That'd be a good grandpa name. Oh, I said, you can't be called Colonel. I was like, well, how about Pops? I said, Pops is kind of cool. I don't want any peepaw. You ain't not calling me that. And so I'm trying to convince my oldest granddaughter, Pops, Pops, candy, Pops. Here's some more candy, Pops. And she can't quite say it, but what she does say, I think it was the voice of God. Um, it, was the, it was divine, in, like, inspiration. She comes out. She comes running to me one day. She, came, she goes, boss, boss, boss. And I'm like, woo, I am the boss. I look at my wife. She goes, you ain't the boss. I said, oh, yes, I am to those grandkids. So I am boss, and she is lovey. And we are loving it. But was most of my life was uh, in business for 35 years, from financial technology to some healthcare, uh, real estate. Was very entrepreneurial. The first business I had um, actually uh, started uh, in the early 90s, around 1992, 1993, and came up with the first web-based platform to sell products like automobiles and things of that nature. And the business was very, very successful at a very fast rate. 
and was out of business a couple of years later. How many of you know it takes both competence to get something done, but it also takes character to keep it going? Got to have both. You can be great at something, but if you don't have character, it's not going to last. And so God took me on this journey of shaping me. And you see, the world will want your challenges, your failures, your heartaches, any of those things. They'll want it to define you. God doesn't work that way. God's way is, I want it to refine you, son. And so we serve a second chance God. Don't care what you've went through. Don't care. God's not done. God's not saying, okay, you're beyond the point of repair. God's saying, no, 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 no. I'm going to take all those different things that you walked through, and some of them that were wounds are now scars, but those scars have wisdom. If, if you keep your heart right. If we don't quit, we win. And so I remember early on in my life, you know, my marriage, and because and, we family, and uh, I want you to understand some of my journey. Uh, there was a, several defining moments in my life, but one major one was uh, many, many years ago. Uh, my wife and I really, we got married. That The first year and a half of our marriage was very rocky and very, very rough. Separated for a period of time, and uh, God did a work in our marriage, like a miracle in our marriage. And I remember making a decision that saying, you know what, I'm going to be the husband that my wife sees me to be and is praying for me to be. I'm going to be the man that God's created me. Not perfection, but I'm not quitting. Because if you don't quit, you win. And I remember walking through this journey and, and basically I had some buddies of mine that we were running the roads together and, and I remember they were all going on this trip on this private plane to New Mexico and uh, the, uh, I looked at them when they invited me to go and I'm like, man, there's nothing good going to be happening on that trip. And I was like, I'm a Christian now. I'm, I'm serving God. I love my, fam my wife. Um, I'm just not going to do that. And uh, that's not me anymore. And, uh, and, but he and I had some business dealings together, and so um, I'm in church that Sunday, and uh, they're all traveling off. And on Tuesday, I called the office because I needed to talk to him about something with our business dealings. And one of the guys, the lady, the secretary answered the phone and says, well, they're not back yet. I'll, uh, I'll let him know, and he'll call you when he gets back later on today. Well, about five minutes go by, and the five minutes, um, she calls me back, and she's screaming frantically, like, She's just screaming. I can barely understand what she's saying. She's uncontrollable. She goes, Lee, 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 the plane crashed, the plane crashed, the plane crashed. They're all dead. And I'm like, what? He says, yeah, the plane crashed. And what happened was is the plane actually crashed on that Sunday, and they didn't find them till Tuesday. And that was a pivotal moment in my life for a couple reasons. And uh, one, losing a friend. Secondly is, it's like, wow, God, you spared me. Like, you really spared me of that. I wouldn't have had that family picture up there. I wouldn't have had those other kids. We definitely wouldn't have had those grandkids. That journey in my life was a pivotal moment. That God's not done. That God wants to use every single one of us. But many times, I want you to understand, if you're going through a season where it's not lining up with what you believe God's called you to do or the purposes in your heart, many times what God allows, don't miss this, many times what God allows in his providence of being God often seems to contradict his purpose. 
It can contradict. So the journey you're going in, look, it's all throughout the Bible. The, you know, it did, Paul didn't look like, like he wrote most of the New Testament. If you would have seen him in today's time on social media or in the news, news he would be like, this dude's like persecuting people. He murders people. Um, he's, he's somebody who's gotten shipwrecked. He's got, get, he's got stone, not recreationally. He's got all kinds of different things that have, y'all caught that, is all kind of different things going on in his life that would have contradicted he's supposed to be this amazing man of God. You look at Moses' life, you look at Abraham's life, it's all throughout Scripture. The journey that you're going on many times doesn't look like the absolute outcome that you were believing God for that you think God showed you. That company that I started that went and had tremendous success, it went from zero to $50 million in two years, two years later, out of business. How does that happen? And there are some practical reasons that I could share with you, but honestly, it was to refine me. My dad, who's a Cajun, he can cook, y'all. He, he just, you know, my, he's amazing, amazing man. He's 88, well, he's going to be 88 in October, and he's worked the same job 63 years. Where is that in today's society? 63 years. And he looked at me the other day, a few years back, he said, I think I'm going to slow down. I think I'm going to retire. I'm like, Dad, really? You're like, you're 85 at the time. You're going to retire now. He goes, I'm going to slow down just a little bit. And, but he was sitting there going, he's got, he looked at me one day, he said, boy, he goes, let me tell you something. And he still talked to me just like that, and I'm 58 years old. I'll be 59 in a few days. Whoever said, whoever said 50's a new 30, they lied to you. 50 is 50. Just like 60, it ain't going to be the new 40. It's going to be 60. And so, but I'm, I am like committed that I'm going to have fun in life. I think as a Christian, we should be smiling. We should have more joy in our life. I think church ought to be a blast. We ought to be cutting up, having fun every moment that we can. But my dad looked at me. He said, boy, there's only two ways to do something. He said, number one, the right way. I said, yes, sir. That's pretty profound. I'm trying and he said, number two, again. So there's only two ways to do something, the right way and again. Again. And then when that doesn't work, you do it again and again and again. If we don't quit, we win. See, there's a difference, church, between calling and purpose. Calling's almost like a churchy name. I never heard about calling before I went to church, or I never spoke in the corporate world or business world. I didn't say, you know, in a business transaction or sales transaction, you were called to this. That's kind of Christianese, a little bit Christianese language. But we all know what purpose is. But there's a difference between purpose and calling. Calling is different because it's really, if, I, if calling's kind of what's in your hand, and then purpose kind of, you know, it's in your heart. But there's a scripture in Ecclesiastes talks about how God has planted eternity in men's hearts. I'm going to read it for you. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also planted eternity in men's hearts and minds, a divinely implanted sense of a purpose working through the ages, which nothing under the sun but God alone can satisfy. Yet so that men cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. So it's a journey. So what am I saying? It's the journey in life that makes you. It's the journey that you're going, that you're going through that God has you on, that he wants to help you with your calling to discover 
your very purpose of what he's created you to do. One of my life scriptures is, I'm going to summarize it, it's Colossians 1.16. It says we're created by God for God. Period. End of story. If you believe that one scripture that you're created by God but for God, it's over. Then everything that I desire, everything that I want, God, it is all for you. And you see, a lot of times we'll start on going down different treks and God's just sitting there going, okay, he's going to go down the wrong trek. But you know what? Sometimes you win, sometimes you learn. Sometimes you win, sometimes you learn. God doesn't waste anything. So it's the journey in life that makes you, but a lot of times human nature wants to downplay God's gifts on our life. So in other words, God has created you with and divinely created you to have spiritual gifts. Some of you are great at administration. Some of you are great at leadership. Some of you are great at, you're just a generous person. Some of you are great, you're great at all these different areas, but there's a few that like, that's your sweet spot. Like, I think I have the gift of worship, but nobody's asking me to sing on their stage. I mean, I think I can bring it in the shower. You know, and so I was sitting there, you know, but ain't nobody asking me because I can't sing. <laughs> but God's called everybody to be a worshiper, but some people have a gift for it. God's called everybody to be generous, but some people have a gift for it. See, God saved you to make a difference. He saved you, he called you, and he purposed you. But the best way, you got to know the difference between calling and purpose. The best way to fulfill what is in your heart because some of us, we, we like getting away, escaping to what's in our heart. And we want to lay down the very thing God's called us to do. See, for many years, I, as a business person, I didn't know my place in the church. I kind of looked at life going, I can't fit in that box. I, I'm trying to build a business. So Monday through Friday and sometimes on Saturday, man, I am consumed with trying to build this business. And I, I, I remember the second business we started which is very successful today for many decades, is that business actually, uh, it started in the rent house and um, grew into this national, now a part of a global company. And I'll never forget, I was trying to close my first big bank. So the first, it was Wells Fargo. And so the first big bank on a technology play, and I was like, this is going to change the trajectory of our whole family and generationally. It's going to be amazing if we close this deal. And I'm working on it. Well, I missed three Sundays because I'm traveling. You miss three Sundays in the South, you're going to hell. <laughs> it's kind of true. Um, no. It's, so I'm, I'm hiding from my pastor because I'm sneaking in thinking, okay, he likes to high-five people all in the lobby. I'm going to come in right towards the end, like before the service starts, and I'm going to sneak in so I can get back in church and get forgiven, redeemed, set free, take communion, and, uh, yeah, ask God for a second chance. And so I come, I come in. Well, sure enough, man, he's waiting. He's like, and I'm hiding from him, avoiding And it hits me. I'm a grown man hiding from my pastor. Think about that for a second. Who's a friend? And he looked at me and he said, why are you avoiding me? And I was like, Pastor, I'm, I missed three Sundays. He says, for what? And I told him. He looked at me, and this changed my life. He said, Lee, he goes, you can do, are you kidding me? You can do more for our church closing that deal than you ever could coming to my men's night. <laughs> like, it's what you do is a holy calling. Hear me, business person. You don't have to own the business. You can be working, cooking up God's chicken at Chick-fil-A, or you can own 50 Chick-fil-A's. 
God wants to use you in the area that he's gifted you in, and it has nothing to do with uh, status or nothing to do with you having to arrive to a certain place. It is all about being faithful to what's in your hand, which is your calling. And what's key is what's in your heart is your purpose. So what's in your hand is your calling. What's in your heart is your purpose. So what's in your hand that calling, it's what you do every day. You can do it blindfolded. If you're a teacher, if you are a salesperson, if you're in the medical field, whatever it is, you can do it kind of blindfolded. It's kind of like your wheelhouse. But when it's in your heart, your purpose, it's what you love. It's what you love. Number two, when it's in your hand, there's a pressure and responsibility to it. It's, it's like that day-to-day. -day. It's your job. And all of you, you're, some of you already been thinking about, oh, man, there's a pressure. I got to get this done come Monday, come tomorrow. You're already consumed with the pressure and responsibility of your Monday, and it's on Sunday. But when it's in your heart, there's a romance to it. It's kind of sexy, if I can say that in church. It's kind of sexy. There's a romance to it because it's a dream space that you escape to. You may not even share that with people, but it's a dream where you can escape to because there's no pressure attached. Dreaming is free. Some of you need to resurrect the dream God's given you in your life. Dreaming is free. Application of that dream is not. Number three, what's in your hand is now and familiar, but what's in your heart, it's mysterious and distant. So you're now unfamiliar, it just becomes so familiar every day, it almost has a, an element of being mundane. But when it's in your heart, you can see part of it, but you can't see the whole picture. And I think God strategically does that in our life so that we will go on the journey with him so he can perfect that over a period of years in our life. Number four, when it, what it looks like when it's in your hand can seem indulgent, even self-indulgent, if it's without Jesus, if it's without Christ. But when it's in your hand with Jesus, it's all about kingdom purpose. But when it's in your heart, it's noble because it's about a cause. We have a generation that's younger than me. They are so cause-focused. And I think God has put that in their heart. But cause, helping causes without Jesus is temporal. Hear me on this. Why would we withhold the greatest gift of all, which is salvation through Jesus Christ? We can supply water. We can supply food. We can help the poor. We can rescue girls out of the sex trade. And it's all noble and it's amazing. And we need to continue to do that. But as the body of Christ, at some point, we need to bring the gospel. Let's deal with the physical need and the spiritual all at once. Because we have the answer to both of those issues. Number five. When it's in your hand, it looks like you. But when it's in your heart, it looks like the way you wish you looked. I'm looking in the mirror these days. Man, I don't have that hair anymore. I'm looking in the mirror. I'm like, whoa, hang on one second. Hang on, I'm doing some of this. In, in the, I was like, whoa, it, it, things are just starting to move a little bit. Things are different, you know, as I've gotten older. And I, I look at that and I'm like, man, I do not look the way I used to look. My mom still thinks I got blonde hair. She, look, she still calls me baby boy. My mom is 80, 87 years old, prays for me every day. 
And I was like, she goes, I just, I know you got gray hair and a receding hairline and all that now, but I just still remember you with that big old white hair and all that stuff. And it's like, me too, mom. I still remember me like that too. Come on, somebody. <laughs> when it's in your hand, it looks like you, but when it's in your heart, it looks the way you would like to look. See, church, don't see what God has given you as a barrier. If I could help you, it would be with these two things. Number one, don't see what God's given you as a barrier. God did not create you one way to use you another. The journey may be different. You have, may have ebbs and flows. My walk with the Lord was not a straight line. My walk with the Lord had a little zigzag to it. And I had some high highs and some low lows, but I never quit. So don't see what God has given you currently as a barrier. Number two, you got to be unoffendable. And that's probably, if I was going to give you any advice as the body of Christ, as a church, as a person, as a leader, I would say, be unoffendable. Be unoffendable. And when you start taking the steps to be unoffendable and you choose to be unoffendable, all of a sudden you're going to have a whole lot of opportunity to be unoffendable. Because they're going to be some crazy cousin, some crazy family member, some business partner, some boss, some staff person, somebody you're working with, some politician. Come on, somebody. There's going to be something that's going to happen that's going to get under your skin. And we have to choose to be unoffendable. See, there's a difference. I say choices, you got to make choices because choices lead, feelings follow. Choices lead, so let's make choices. And I'm, I choose every day. I said, Lord, remove the wrong people from my midst. Bring the ones that you've called me to walk with or ones that I'm supposed to minister to or to befriend or to bless. But Lord, I ask you, guard my heart. I want to have a Teflon heart. I just don't want anything sticking. And so when I started praying that prayer, my journey, I had a chance to get offended a bunch of times. And I remember the... Uh, that second business that we grew, which is a financial technology company. So you go to Bass Pro. Y'all have a Bass Pro here? Or like Cabela's? And that's kind of like heaven in Alabama. So you go, you go to Bass Pro, you buy a boat. It would be our technology that would do the financial transaction. But it's thousands and thousands of uh, financial institutions. And um, yeah, it's, it's a lot of compliance, risk mitigation. It's boring. It's not too sexy, but it's very lucrative. And um, so grew that business and... We sold it to the largest compliance company in the world. And I remember we're sitting in the closing uh, with the lawyers, and I'm so excited because this was my baby. This was a thing that I founded. Well, we had a partner in there. That was, there was four companies, and he was partnering one of the companies and not the other three. Uh, did not provide any value to that. Uh, pretty much just sucked up the air condition. And, uh, and so, yeah, some of you get that. Is, so in those four companies, we're about to close, and... He looks at us at the closing table, and he says, I think I, need, I should deserve to get paid what y'all are getting paid on those other three companies. I said, well, you do. Hmm. I said, I'm going to lay hands on you, and it ain't with the love of the Lord. <laughs> and uh, so I'm not Pastor Lee. I'm Mafia Lee at that moment. <laughs> and so I look at him, and I'm sitting there going, and I'm texting my wife saying, man, he's doing, he wants $2 million. And I'm like, are oh, you got to be kidding me? So I'm sitting here going, I'm going to get the lawyers out the room, and I'm going to beat the blink, 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 blink. <laughs> emoji, emoji, emoji. This is before emojis. And uh, so I text her, and this was her response. 
She just, my sweet, precious, amazing, God-fearing wife, God loves her a whole lot more than me and tells her all kind of stuff about me that I need to improve. <laughs> that was funny, y'all. I don't care. Do not touch him, period. That was her text. Do not touch him. And I sat there. That's what she said. The Lord is our vindicator, period. Oh, oh, now she brings the Lord into it. And I'm like, I can't do, I, can't, I just, I just, I mean, I'm going to just, I said, I can't do anything now. I just got to let it go. And so I look at him and I said, you want three? This is not my deal. This is God's. God blessed us with this business. It's by his hand of favor any of this has ever happened. We're not that good. And uh, I said, you, whatever you want, name the number. And then my flesh was wanting to throw up. <laughs> he looked at me. He said, no, 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 no. This is good. This is good. We're good, good. So we closed on that deal. Got it all closed and was very sick to my stomach. And God's doing a work in me. I had a chance to get offended. But watch this. It got worse. Six months later, I feel like I'm in my prayer time. God didn't audibly speak to me, but it, I felt this impression. You need to invite him to church. <laughs> invite him to church. I mean, you know, invite, like, invite him to church because he's not coming because of you. I did that. Ooh. I'm like, okay. So I type out an email. Hey, man, I just wanted you to know um, if you're not coming to church anymore because of me, I want to ask for your forgiveness if I've if done anything to offend you. Delete, retype the message again. <laughs> Delete, retype the message again. Delete, retype the message again. Sin. That was not for him. Whether he came to church or not is irrelevant. That was for me. God had blessed us post that many, many times over. And he blessed us because, and I don't always pass the test, y'all. I get pretty uptight in traffic, ask my son. And uh, I get pretty uptight when I'm traveling and different things. But I want to just be a person that chooses every day, Lord, I'm going to be unoffendable. I want the flow of your Holy Spirit working through my life. So I want to encourage you as we bring this to a close, don't lay down what you're gifted in to chase something else. If I would have laid down and quit after the first business failed, I would have never had the platform God gave me in a second chance of building a business, which then gave me and opened some doors to opening what was the first full-time 24 recovery care for survivors of sex trafficking in the United States. We've rescued over 514 women we, yeah, amen. We've supported over 30,000 and fed over 30,000 orphans across the world. God had opened up these amazing, when Hurricane Katrina happened, we did some amazing things. When different disasters have happened, God used, because you didn't quit, created a platform of being faithful to the business calling that now we're helping over 17,000 churches around the world which in my heart, guys, has always been, I wanted to help churches. I wanted to always help 
people that, and, and be a blessing and be generous. Well, if you would have quit and gone into the ministry 30 years ago, you would have never had the platform. Some of you discount what God has placed in your hand. Your job has influence in it. You're, you're able to impact people in a way that a pastor could not impact. So it's time that you shine some light and that you shake that salt. I ought to make that a song. Shine the light, shake the salt. <laughs> but don't lay down the gift that God's called you to chase something else. And honestly, stop wanting to lay down or discount what's not yours to lay down because God has created you for this moment. We need to see more God's people in business. We need to see more God's people in sports and politics. Come on, somebody. So we can all make a difference. And then in closing, the body of Christ, honestly, it's time for us to stop shrinking back and hiding. It's time for the church to take her place. God chose us. Acts 17, 26 says this. This is, this is my scripture right now. And it's burning in my heart because it's so important. And if I could give you one thing in my life, it would be this scripture. From one man, Adam, he made every man and woman, including the one sitting next to you, and every race of humanity in South Carolina, Birmingham, and Louisiana. And he spread us over all the earth. Watch this. He sets the boundaries of people and nations determining their appointed times in history. If you are ever wondering why you're born in this moment, I'm here to tell you that you were born in this moment, that God has given you what you need to live out what he's called you to do. If you won't quit, you're going to win. And there's going to be a dynamic where God's saying, look, I've appointed you at this time in history. Stop complaining about what's around you. You are the reason I created to actually be the response to what's going on out there in the world. Because I've given you my son. I've given you everything that you need. But it's time for us to engage and to be that shining light and to shake that salt. Let's be a people who pursues our gift because the answer to your purpose is being faithful to your calling. And being faithful to what's in your hand, your calling, is the key to what's in your purpose, your heart. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much. Lord, as a matter of fact, if, you got, if you're with your spouse, grab their hand. If you're not with your spouse... Keep your hands to yourself. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness, Lord. We thank you for this church. I thank you for Pastor Jimmy. God, I pray you bless and refresh he, Ramona, the family, Lord. I thank you for, Lord, second chances. Lord, I pray that you would stir up in the hearts of every single person here, God. That, Lord, that they would step into the lane that you've called them to run in, God. That they would simply be faithful to what's in their hand. And it's the key to that fulfillment they're looking for that's in their heart. I pray a blessing over every marriage, every family represented here. And I pray, Father, that, Lord, that over just a tremendous blessing over this community, this state, this church, and every single one of these precious people, God. Lord, bring the dreams back. Bring, Father, the fire back in our belly, God. Remind us, Father, of who you are. And remind us, God, of how you've equipped us. And that we would step in to be a people from this day forward who are going to be faithful. Who are going to be fearless. And that are going to finish well. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. God bless you.